Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Wow, it's an honor to be here and uh, to be in Malmo. Good, good morning. Um, I have never been in Sweden, so I think uh, it's about time for a Dutchman to, uh, to come to Sweden. Although it was kind of weird to fly into Denmark to go to Sweden, but anyway, it's all good. Uh, but I, I love being here. I've, I've known Pastor Quinton and Suzanne since we started pastoring. My wife and I started pastoring in 2008. Uh, and um, since that time, we've also gotten to know your pastors, Quinton and Suzanne. And I, I think it's just amazing to see what the Lord has done here through uh, your pastors and through your team and by His grace in, um, in, in building His kingdom, building His church. And I believe this is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Uh, but, but moving from Australia, where the sun always shines, to, you know, the northern part of the wor- world, where the sun shines a lot in the summer, <laughs> uh, that's, that takes faith. These, these people are people of faith. They're people of incredible uh, of faith. And um, I, I really want to thank you for, uh, for having me here in, in your church, in your house, uh, but why don't we give it up for Pastor Quinton and Suzanne and thank them for 12 years of pastoring and leading the way. And also really exciting what's going to happen with this year with City Hearts. They told me about uh, adding some new rooms to this house in, in City Hearts. And uh, City Hearts is, is a ministry based in the United Kingdom, but now going across the world uh, that is really changing lives everywhere. And uh, we in Arnhem, where I'm based... Uh, We have also started a City Hearts program a few years ago, and I believe this will reach many vulnerable people, people who need uh, a hand up, and and, uh, that's going to be amazing that you're going to do that here. So it's exciting. And then also adding the room in Lund. That's exciting. Uh, and, And so... Speaking of, of room, I want to share a word with you today about making room. Because I thought in a church where you're adding rooms, you're starting City Hearts, you're launching out into Lund, let's talk about what it means to make room for God. Because I believe if you make room for God, both personally and corporately, as a church, then He will fill it. Amen? Amen. So let's just pray before we receive the Word of God here this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are a room maker. Thank you, God, you put the stars in their place. A billion galaxies, we sung about it. You created so much space. So much room. Lord, and we create room for you right now in our hearts. Speak to us. Fill us with fresh vision, your power, and your presence. Lord, I thank you that people today, if, if there's areas where we are stuck, that today we will again make room, and you will fill it. Lord, I thank you that depression will make room for joy. 
I thank you that fear will make room for faith. Today is a new day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we make room for you. I thank you for this church that you will fill every room in this church and in the lives of every single man, woman, and child. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So before I go on, I, I, I have to do the guest preacher's thing, which is show a picture of my family. Uh, right? I think we have it. So here's my beautiful wife, Yaditya. She actually grew up in Sweden because her parents were based in a YWAM base here in Sweden for a few years. So she speaks a little bit of Swedish. And then uh, our children, Noah, David, and Eva. Eva, the youngest, who is four. And um, we are living in Arnhem in the Netherlands, which is um, a city of about 160,000 people in the eastern part of the Netherlands, close to the German border. Uh, we have been pastoring there at a church called C3 Rivers Church. We used to be called C3 Arnhem, but as we expanded into also launching a location in another city, we changed our name. And uh, we are currently a, a church of two locations. I always should think how, how I say it, because it's not a church with two locations. We are a church of two locations. And uh, that means one house, multiple rooms. We are based in Arnhem and in Nijmegen, which is south of Arnhem. And we're starting a third location this coming September. And uh, we have about 450 members, and we have been pastoring there since 2008, which was the year we were married. So we've been married 12 years, and we're pastoring 12 years. So you say, how does that work? What did, did you start pastoring the year you were married? Yes, it was a wedding gift from C3 Amsterdam to us. I said to them, can we first go on a honeymoon? And that was allowed. So we first went on a honeymoon, which was, it was good, and then we hit the ground running and have been pastoring. And, uh, but you know what? As, as, as we build God's house, He will build our house. And, um, and, and so it's been an honor to be pastoring in that beautiful city and, uh, and now to be here with you today. So today I'm going to talk about making room for God, as I said. Making room for God, and He will fill in. Now, this pertains to every area of life. Uh, it pertains to um, your spiritual walk with God. If you walk with God, and if you are a Christian, then if we don't make room for God, then we will not hear from God, because He will always fill the room that He gets. Um, so, if you are not a Christian, the same applies. Maybe you're here and you don't know God or, or you don't know Him very well. But you know what? He's only one prayer away. He's only one arm length away. And if you make room for God just by praying a prayer and inviting Him into your life, then He will speak to you and you will meet Him. Because every step you take towards Him, He will come running steps toward you. When we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. Uh, so, no matter how close your relationship with God is, I believe today you will get closer. And at the end of this service, I'm going to do a prayer of commitment where you can invite Jesus into your heart. If you don't know Jesus yet, 
And as you make room for God in your heart, He will fill it. He will never invade a room. God is not an invader. He is a gentleman. He will only fill rooms that are, that are opened by us because He is a gentleman. Amen? But this also pertains to other areas in your life, making room for God. Um, in every area of life, whatever we hold for ourselves, God cannot fill that room. Whatever we give to God, He will be able to fill. And I, I just love the spirit in this church where I was with your team yesterday, as Matthew already shared, and you have a spirit of making room. I sense that in the prayer in this place. I sense it when we pray with the team. I sense it when you, uh, you have dreams about starting things in other locations. There is a spirit of faith and a spirit of, um, of, of basically taking a risk, right? It's, it, God took a risk when he sent Jesus. It was a little bit reckless to let your son be born in the hands of two teenagers. It's a little bit reckless. But hey... Right? That's what God did. He let his son born in the, in the hands of two teenagers and left the rescue of the world in the hands of two teenagers who had to look after the baby, Jesus. That's a little bit reckless. So we can do a little bit of reckless things by stepping out and starting new locations. Now, first I want to share a scripture. And let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54, where we... Learn about the principle of making room for God. All right, so see no one turning in their Bibles. It's interesting, but we're all on our phones, obviously, reading the Bible on a phone or looking at the screen. <laughs> all right, Isaiah chapter 54. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in desolate cities. And then it says in the next verse, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It starts here with talk, God's talking to a barren woman. In those days when women uh, could not have children, uh, they felt really shameful. They felt rejected by God. And we have learned in our society often to thank God or to thank people for things once they have been given to us. So once we have the breakthrough, then we start singing. Once we have what we ask God to give us, then we start praising. But here, let's read it again, verse 1, Isaiah 54. Sing, barren woman. Sing, burst into song, and shout for joy. God is telling someone who doesn't have the breakthrough yet to start praising, to start enlarging the place of her tent, to start building the baby room, yet the miracle hasn't arrived yet. That's called faith. It's called praising God before your breakthrough. Pastor Matthew 
mentioned or Matthew mentioned that the Norman Factor is a book that I wrote. I never really intended to write a book uh, b by the age of 40. But this book comes out of uh, one of the most crisis situations that I've ever experienced. One of the most fearful situations that I've ever experienced. And it, it is about a guy called Norman Williams. That's why the title, The Norman Factor. Norman Williams was a passenger in the world's worst ever airline disaster in 1977 on the island of Tenerife. He was a Christian, he was a businessman. He was in Pan American Airlines, a Boeing 747, who collided with a KLM Boeing 747. And um, he writes in his book, and he shares on his podcast, how suddenly all hell broke loose as he was sitting in a plane waiting to take off from a runway. And suddenly the, the flames were engulfing him. But as the flames were engulfing him and as people started screaming and cursing God as they died around him, he noticed that what came out of his mouth was the living and active word of God. And he started declaring from the Bible that when you go through the flames, they will not devour you. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. This is also in the book of Isaiah. And Norman Williams started to share that the things that were in him came to the service. The Bible scriptures that were in him came to the service as he was in the worst ever crisis in his life. Now, I preached about Norman a few years ago in our church about the principle that Whatever is in you will come out of you in times of crisis. If you have not stored up the Word of God inside of you, it will not come out of you when you are in a crisis. People around Norman started cursing God as they died. Many people think that one, when uh, push comes to shove, when we hit a wall in our lives, when we hit a major crisis or people are about to die, that suddenly people will call out to God. It's not true. Because whatever people have done in the course of their lives will be what they do in the moment of crisis. Because we are like Pavlov's dogs, we respond completely automatically in a crisis. And if we've been cursing God every time that we dropped our, our phone on the floor, every time that something did not go the right way, we will curse God the moment we die. But if we've been praising God our whole lives, if we've been reading scripture, if, if we've been praising God before the breakthrough, Guess what will happen in a moment like that? Praise will well up from within us, and the scripture will well up from within us. Now, I preached on this a year before a major crisis hit our life. Because my wife, Yeditya, when she gave birth to our daughter, Ava, um, which was in 2015, she gave birth to Ava at home. But just uh, 20 minutes after birth, uh, uh, something happened which is very rare. It's called a uterine inversion where the uterus comes out of the body and creates a wound so big that litter's blood start to pour out. I'm not going to be really graphic about it, but basically it happens once every 400,000 births, which is once every two and a half years in my country, um, which is probably once every five years in Sweden. That's how often it happens. And... Suddenly, I saw life passing out of my wife. I, I saw her passing out. It was in the middle of the night. It was 2.20 a.m. She was already completely wasted from the day and then giving birth. She was already exhausted. And then this happened. See, what was I to do? Now, 
it's easy to preach about it, but, but what about if something like that happens? Um, you know, some people say, practice what you preach. But I've learned to preach what I practice. I think that has more power. But I did preach this, but now I had to practice it. So I saw life passing out of her, saw her becoming unconscious. I saw the midwife's faces turning pale. They couldn't think. They, couldn't, they didn't seem to be able to act. They were completely numb. They never experienced this before. And uh, I heard a voice in my head saying, she's going to die. You're going to lose your wife right now. The hospital is 20 minutes away. She's never going to make it. You know what I had to do? I had to praise before the breakthrough. Sing, barren woman. Make room for God and he will fill it. I left my wife in the, in the midwife's hands, knowing that the paramedics who had been called in would rush in at any minute. She was becoming unconscious, and I went to another room in my house. Uh, I think it was one of the children's bedrooms. And I went in the room, closed the door behind me, as Jesus told us to do. When you want to pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your heavenly Father, who knows what you need before you ask him. Started pacing up and down the room, praying in another language. And as I prayed in another language, praying in tongues, it opens up a, a broadband, high-speed connection with the things of God. Uh, it, it's much better than uh, the, the internet that they used to have with the modems where they go... It like, it's a broadband connection. That's, the, that's what praying in tongues does. And immediately, as I was pacing up and down the room, a word welled up within me, which was Psalm 113, verse 9, where God says, She will be a happy mother of children. I happened to read that word in my quiet time as I had made room for God a few weeks before that because I have a habit of spending time with God in the word and in prayer. And as, as it happened a few weeks before that, I happened to read Psalm 113 and that verse jumped up to me. It came out of the page and it said, oh, wow, she's a happy mother of children. I'm like, wow, that's, that's a great verse. She will be a happy mother of children, Psalm 113.9. I forgot about that. I read it. I had forgotten about it. But somehow it was stored up within me. As I had made room for God, that scripture had filled me. And as I now made room for God in the room, that scripture came to my mind. She will be a happy mother of children. Now that became my lifeline. That became a lifeline. Because my head was saying, she's dying. The midwives were crying. When I see a professional crying, I know something is seriously wrong. The paramedics couldn't find a pulse anymore. Her blood pressure was 40 over 20. When she arrived in the hospital, she'd lost five and a half liters of blood. They said later to us, if you would have been here two minutes later, your wife would not have made it. But you know, God has the last word. We have a vision as a church that people come alive that's our vision. You know what? The devil knows that. He's pretty predictable. We have an enemy, and he will always try to attack carriers of the vision. That's why we need to pray for our pastors. Because the vision is people come alive. So what's, what's he going to do? He's going to try to do the exact opposite. He's going to try to bring death. But you know what? We've discovered 
that life is stronger than death and that Jesus' blood speaks the last word. He has the last word. Now, in this case, my wife survived. Even when people do not survive, you know what? Still, he has the last word because death doesn't have the last word in this life. If you have lost loved ones, death does not have the last word because Jesus came and he rose from the dead and he beat death and Jesus is stronger than death. Now, why am I saying this? I say this because what if I had not made room for God to speak from the Bible to me as a person? What if I didn't have a habit of staying in His presence, reading the Word? What if I never had read Psalm 113? How can God bring up within me what's not inside of me? What if I had decided to stay purely human, which is very easy in Western Europe to do? Let's just look at the facts here. Let's just trust on the paramedics. Let's just trust. No, no, no. We need to go to the Dr. Jesus with the capital D. We need to see that there's more between heaven and earth than just what meets the eye. There are two dimensions in this world. There is the earthly physical dimension that we see, and there is the spiritual heavenly dimension that we do not see. And so, what if I had not walked into that room, into one of the children's rooms? But I did. This book, um, it's, I, I brought 10 copies. It, I just write really practically about principles that I learned through this ordeal, about speaking in tongues, about reading the Word of God, about speaking the Word of God, because I had to speak, start speaking. She will be a happy mother of children, about the truth being stronger than facts. And as you declare the Word of God, you will find that the Word of God, the truth of God, will be stronger than the facts of life. Amen? The truth of God is stronger than the facts of life. The facts were Abraham and Sarah could not have children. That was the facts. But the truth was that God had said, Abraham, I have made you a father of many. Past tense, I have made you. From God's perspective, it was already done. See, the facts were, this woman in Isaiah chapter 54, she was barren. But the truth was that, what does it say? You will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their cities. See, this woman had to start praising before the breakthrough. When is the last time that you praised God before the breakthrough? Maybe you're sitting here and you've been struggling with things in your life. You've not been able to break through whatever area it is. It could be that you have dreams of a change in career. It could be that you have dreams of be being healed in a certain area of your life, your body, your soul, or your spirit. Uh, it could be that you're dreaming of a certain house, a bigger house, or whatever. Are you waiting to praise God after the breakthrough? Let me tell you, maybe the breakthrough is not coming because you haven't praised God before the breakthrough. Because you're looking at earthly means, at whatever is possible naturally, but you need to start looking at God. You need to start praising God before the breakthrough. Let's make room for Him. And then He will fill it. God is a good God. 
Sometimes he allows things we don't understand. We're like, why do you allow this? <laughs> we can ask the why question all the time. Why did this happen to me? I, I find that an interesting question because what do I mean with that question? Why, why, why does it happen to me? Do I mean that I want that once in 400,000 times to happen to the neighbors? Is that what I mean? I want it to happen to anybody but me. I've learned to ask the question, why not? Because I might not understand, but I can trust, and I know that it might not be God's will, but He will use everything for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I'm, I'm talking to you here now about this. If this wouldn't have happened to us, I would never be have written this book. I would never have been sharing this. What do you need to sing about? What do you need to praise about? In which area of your life do you need to make room for God? This is also really practical. I, I love it that you're starting a, a new location, as I said. Um, I remember we were meeting as a church in a hotel when we started pastoring. We met at the upper floor of a hotel in Arnhem Central, and we had a room that fitted 80 people, and we were gathering with 75 people every Sunday. So it was, that was full, right? And, but we were praying, God! Bring people. God, we, we, we're praying for growth. But we weren't growing. Oh, why are we not growing? Man, we have every, every week we have 75 people. God, we want people to get saved. Come on, church, let, let's do some prayer and fasting. Let, 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 let's pray for our friends to receive Jesus. And we were, we were trying everything we could. But hey, guess what? In a room of 80 people which has 75 people present every Sunday, God went, well, son, I would love to fill the place with more people, but I cannot fill what is full. <laughs> Maybe you're desperate for God to speak to you, and he's like, well, son, daughter, I would love to speak to you, but I cannot fill a full agenda. Maybe you need to make some room for me in your agenda. I would love to meet with you, but I cannot meet in a full schedule. I cannot fill what is full. I can only fill what is empty. So, through a series of circumstances, which takes too long to talk to about, about right now, we found a place that seats 300 people in another part of the city, which costs twice as much, or maybe three times as much, as that we paid in that part, in the hotel, as a church. So what we decided to do, we decided, let's make room for God. Let's just move. And so we moved with 75 people to a 300-seater auditorium. And in the first year, we doubled the size of our church. We grew from 75 people to 150 people. When we make room for God, He will fill it. My wife, Yudidja, is a psychologist. And I'm, I'm going to finish on this story, I think, and then share a scripture and then 
We're going to pray. My, my wife, Yeditya, is a psychologist. And she has always been dreaming of having her own practice, her own psychology practice. She's been working for years uh, for bigger firms in the Netherlands, uh, helping people deal with um, addictive behavior, addictive substances, and things like that. Um, anxiety, stress, burnout, those kind of things. Um, but she discovered that the way those firms were managed, uh, she, she didn't like it. There was uh, some uh, unhealthy things in, in the firm, and she just she, she basically had trouble working as a psychologist in these large firms, right? So she wanted to start her own practice, but she didn't. Because she thought, well, God, I'm not an entrepreneur. Uh, I signed up to help people. I'm a psychologist. And I, I'm not a business owner. I don't know how to do that. But God helped her to let go of the old and embrace the new and just take steps of faith. And I think it was four years ago, she stopped working for the big firms and went to the Chamber of Commerce and signed her name, Psychology Practice Yeditya Borkent. And she just said, God, I'm going to make room here, but I'm out on a limb here. I'm out on a, this is, this is, you, you got to come through here because I don't know how to do this. I just know how to help people, but I'm going to follow what I feel you're saying to my heart, to my spirit, to start my own practice. She had zero clients. She had no idea how, how these clients would come through the doors. She had no idea. She's not a salesperson. She just wants to help people. But you know what? Gradually, through a series of circumstances, she started meeting pivotal people. And, and some channels, different channels were opened by the Lord where, for example, in the hospital in Arnhem, the main hospital, every person suffering from diabetes and needing psychological help was going to be referred to her practice. And all these other things started to happen. And now, four years later, she has her own practice, can determine her own times when she's working, can work the way she wants to. She's not bound by certain rules and regulations that were, in, uh, that were um, happening in the, f in the firm. And, and she has a full schedule of clients. She made room, and God filled it. The other day, she has been meeting with a, a woman who uh, is severe, has severe problems in her life. And this woman asked her, can you please pray with me? That would never have been possible in a firm that she used to work in, but now she could do it because it's her own practice, and uh, she could do it. And, uh, and this, this woman has also come to church. Um, you know, if we make room, whatever it is, if we, what we sometimes do, we live in the red race, and we keep doing the same things, expecting a different result. That's called insanity. That's the definition of insanity, that we keep doing the same things, and we somehow expect a different result. But you know what? If you want God to fill a room in a career, you got to make a change. you got to do something new. you got to build an addition. The Bible says here, enlarge the place of your tent. you got to step out, let go of the old, 
as you start in Lund, maybe some things will have to shift in this church. Maybe some team leaders will have to move position. But when as a team leader you stay in position, that room can never be filled. But when you move somewhere else to fill a new need somewhere, God will fill the old need. You can trust Him. When we make room for God, He will fill it. I finish with this scripture. Then the band can come up and we uh, will close with the song. The Bible says in Psalm 18, verse 19, this. Look at this. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I know that God wants to bring you into a spacious place. Not a cramped place. The Bible doesn't say, oh, he brought me into a place where there was just enough space. He brought me out into a spacious place. And why does he do that? Because you did all the right things. No, it doesn't say so. He rescued you. He brought you out into a spacious place because you are just very special person, more special than anyone else, or because you are so good. No, he rescues you because you're all those things. You are very special to him, and you, he delights in you. He loves you. That's why he does it. You don't have to be a special person. You don't have to be a pastor or some special prophetic person you don't need a lot of faith all you need is a seed of faith a mustard seed so I'm going to believe that God is going to speak to you during the song that we're going to sing in a moment that he's going to he's going to speak to you where do you need to make room what is it If you, want to, if you want God to come through in your finances, you need to make room for God in your finances. That's why we teach in church about the principle of the tithe. God cannot fill my life with His provision if I don't give Him access to my finances. So I give Him the tithe. But that's just the beginning. Those are only the side wheels of my faith. I can give him more than my tithe. I can make room for God. As I sow and believe that he will come through, I have nothing else to hang on to but him. You know what? He will always honor that. And he will rescue you. And he will bring you to a spacious place. In Jesus' name. So let's stand up. Let's sing this song. Where do you need to make room? Where do you need to praise God before your breakthrough? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So let, let's just sing this song and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.